What is the secret art of business? The creative side of our brain and the business side of our brain may seem like two separate entities, but they are actually interconnected and complementary. The creative side of our brain can bring fresh and innovative ideas to the table, while the business side of our brain can turn these ideas into practical and profitable solutions. By tapping into both the creative and business side of our brains, we can find a balance between risk-taking and practicality, leading to more success and fulfillment in both our personal and professional lives. I'm Katherine Lane Klein, entrepreneur and creative person, and in this podcast, we will hear success stories from people that are doing exactly that, and hopefully giving you ideas of how you can too. Welcome to the Secret Art of Business, and today I have the great pleasure of having the one and only Don DePiro as my guest today, and you, sir, are a get. I mean, everybody wants to see you, be around you. Um, you're a local celebrity, and I think you're going to totally work on being a national one, I think, more and more with the work that you're doing with the Columbus Chamber, where you are CEO and president. Is that, is that your old title? You're hired as our publicist, Catherine. You're hired <laughs> as my personal publicist, for sure. Well, well, president, welcome, president and chief executive officer, for what it's worth. President well, welcome, executive. and thanks again for doing this. Let's just go ahead and start off by talking about your work at the Columbus Chamber. You know, what are, you know, what, how did you get here, for one? <laughs> And um, what is that you like about what you do? Yeah, I wonder that quite a bit myself. (laughs) You have a great story. I ponder the answer to that question quite a bit. Um, um, You know, it's funny because I I went to a a school like St. Charles here. It was a private boys college prep Christian brothers school in Buffalo, New York, my hometown. And I, I would be, this is God's honest truth. I flunked geometry and had to go to summer school for geometry, but I was exempt from my English finals because my my class average in English was so high. So it was pretty clear that I wasn't going to be an engineer <laughs> and, you know, maybe. And I always liked writing, which was kind of funny because I haven't done as much of that as I'd like. But um, so journalism, you know, I mean, 35 years uh Interestingly, I started with Gannett. I don't know how far you want me to go back, but I started with Gannett, which owned the daily newspaper in Niagara Falls, New York, which is called the Niagara Gazette. And now they own the Dispatch. That's the parent company of the Dispatch, so which is really interesting. And then I went to, you know, 32 years with the parent company of Columbus Business First, four different cities, my hometown of Buffalo, then Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. My first publisher's gig. I was editor in chief in Charlotte, uh, publisher in Jacksonville, and now uh, and then publisher here for over twenty years. But I always um, I wanted to do one other thing. I, I and I said that, and I made no bones about it that I, I didn't. I wanted to do one other thing, just um, maybe to satisfy, you know, you know, my wife has always said that I'm the original attention deficit hyperactivity disorder patient. <laughs> that, it was, that ailment was, you know, if you look it up in the dictionary, my pictures next to ADHD, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of a serious ailment. No, but, you know, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when and they say something like 35% of CEOs, uh, 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 are, are some level of ADHD. But um, 
I just wanted to do something different. And interestingly, the two things, somebody and people say, well, what, what did you want to do? I want to do high-level recruitment. So portfolio creative. I wanted to do uh-huh. C-suite recruitment. I think that's something that I would have been pretty good at um, because I think I have a talent for identifying talent. And, and Or the second thing was economic development. Uh-huh. I, I loved economic development and I, I, I loved I used to always take when I had the time, if somebody said, hey, I'm between jobs, I'm looking for something, I'd say, I'll give you half an hour. And of course, it invariably became an hour or longer. But I and 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 the only thing I asked was when you land, let me know. And um, and, you know, when somebody landed and they gave me that phone call, it was the happiest day, just knowing that maybe a little bit of our conversation may have may have helped them in some way. So. So here I am at the Columbus Chamber of Commerce. I, I honestly think it's like the perfect progression because, you know, you when you go back to journalism, it's really just storytelling and um, connecting dots and connecting people and all that sort of stuff. And that is kind of what you've kind of done here. You know, yeah. you connect people, you get people in the right places, you know, you, you know, helping people, you know, build their businesses. And I don't think any of that could have happened if you did not have that prep prior to that. And uh, I, I think you definitely found your spot, but as you know, I'm a fan. So, <laughs> well, you I, know, it's interesting. I, and I don't mean to, um, no, this, go is sound, this is going to sound less than modest, but I, I counted up, I tried to count up my emails, handwritten notes, uh, phone calls in person. Um, and I had over uh, uh, 300 congratulations, which That's was fantastic. incredibly humbling and heartwarming and probably 250 people said this is the perfect job for you yes and that just meant so much that Mm -hmm. they thought my skill set from being president and publisher of columbus business first migrating that those skills over to the columbus chamber of commerce people said perfect it's it's absolutely perfect for you it's it's very reassuring because you're you're kind of stepping a little bit into the unknown there and everybody's just like, uh, no, right step. You made the right step. So that's yeah. really cool. I'm going to dial back a little bit because okay. I t- talked about journalism. And we're going to talk about even a younger Don. So when you were a kid in Buffalo growing up, what were some of the things that you used to do for fun? I love sports. I, I mean, I love sports. Um, baseball was probably my best sport. I played college baseball, actually, Division three. I don't talk about it too much because it was a long time ago, but I did play, um, I, I made the, it's now it's Buffalo state university and it was division three, but I made the varsity baseball team as a freshman. Um, and I was the backup catcher. The starting catcher was a senior, but I played, I played hockey in high school, junior varsity. I never played varsity. Um, and, uh, played everything, played, we, our elementary school had a football team. We were the only school team in the league. There were mostly community teams, and I played football for a couple of years. Um, but I, I love baseball, and I, I still think it's a fabulous sport. And, and, you know, I was just a normal kid. And back then, you know, we had a ton of kids in the neighborhood, and we, we could go to – back then it was Delaware Park, and you could go there and your parents wouldn't have to worry about you too much. You can kind of go unsupervised, and you're, you're with all your buddies, and 
You know, we brought our bats and our balls and our gloves and we pick up games. And, you know, we didn't have the structure in the sports like my children had where, you know, I remember coming, moving here, which is now 28 years ago. And Adam was four and Amanda was two and a half. And at five putting now they're 31 and 30 and uh, and putting Adam in soccer and offering to help out with the team. In his very first game, these were five-year-olds. The other coach showed up with a full Adidas, full Adidas suit with the soccer shoes and the hat. He had a whistle. He had, you know, I mean, I thought this was one of Ohio State's like assistant <laughs> coaches, D one. And when we played growing up, we fought, we argued. But we, you know, we learned how to resolve our differences. And if we fought one day, we were still best friends the next day. And, you know, we had arguments and altercations and we, but we didn't have parental supervision and we didn't have coaches. And I think we learned how to resolve differences. Yes. And I think that made a huge difference to me. And in our neighborhood, I was like the youngest guy. Uh, most of my friends were two grades ahead or, th- or three grades ahead. So I got picked on a lot. And <laughs> I, you had to stand up for yourself. And they knew that the little guy was probably going to get beat up, but he was going to try to get his shots in before. And I'm not saying I grew up in a tough neighborhood <laughs> or anything like I'm not. No. But, but you know, you, you develop coping skills and you grow up and you, you learn a lot. You learn yeah. a lot growing up in a neighborhood like that, you know. I th- um, now, how did you get involved with writing, though? When did you know that you loved writing, or when did you start writing? That's that's a great in, – in um, seventh grade, we had a student newspaper at St. Mark's Elementary School in North Buffalo. It's called The Marksman. And, and they would only let – they might have let sixth graders, but it was primarily seventh and eighth graders. You couldn't write. And I – if I'm not dating myself, I wrote a profile on J. Edgar Hoover, who was the FBI director. And this is before we knew he was who he really was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but And I went to the library and got the encyclopedia and I got other you know magazines. I remember articles in Time magazine. We subscribed. We subscribed to Time magazine and we got two daily newspapers back then, the Buffalo News and the Buffalo Courier Express. And um, and I did research and I wrote it. And when I found out it was accepted and then it was on page two and it was a longer article and it was on page, the inside front cover of the marksman. I, I remember I couldn't wait to get home and show my parents that I had a byline in seventh grade. And, and I think the, the, um, I, I think the response to it and how it was read and how it was read, I'm the youngest of four. So how it was read by my siblings and the, um, you know, the attention it got and that that left an indelible impression on me. And again, not the best math student, good in some maths, not it. I'm good with numbers. I'm good, you know, budgeting, that sort of thing. Um, but not yeah, but we, we all have our strengths. And it, it sounds like that's kind of when you discovered yours. It's like, you know what, maybe I'm good at this, you know? <laughs> right. And I really liked it. And I re- especially enjoyed talking to people about in mm-hmm. advance 
And um, because I was a better I was a better reporter than I was a writer. And, you know, as editors, if you're if you're a good reporter, you get different assignments than the writers. So um, what was it about reporting that you really liked? I was always interested in other people. I was always interested in other people. And, you know, it's funny because I had this conversation. We were just in, uh, in in Raleigh over the weekend at my 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 wife's younger brother's family. And, and he has two boys and his wife has two girls and they're the same age. We call them two thirds of the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to them about everybody having a story. And I said, be careful not to dismiss people because of what they look like or where they come from or what their beliefs may be because everyone has their story. And, you know, you can, you know, this is in, in the, here I go and just cut me off together. <laughs> but, you know, in the Chinese culture, the elderly are really highly treasured and valued and thought well of because they're so, they, they've learned so much. They've got a world of wisdom a lifetime of knowledge and wisdom, and they're held in such high regard. And it really hurts me when I hear that well-experienced people in our society are dismissed because they shouldn't be, because everyone has their story. And I was always intrigued by people's story. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, and and to have people that have an interest in that and getting those stories out, I think is equally as important. We're going to fast forward to now you're at the chamber and do you get any opportunity to do any writing anymore or is it just more heavily into kind of a, an elevated form of reporter that you get to do now? You know, that's a great, I I really regret that I didn't keep a diary. I I really regret, I really regret that I haven't kept one in years because I probably had three books so far, uh, and they would have been pretty decent. But I may have a book uh, in me yet, so that may be you know a retirement or semi-retirement project. So, as far as writing, I I use I I do more editing now, uh, like uh, even. Even if I'm asked for a quote for a story, a news story or something like that, um, I'll let somebody else who knows it prepare it and then I'll do the editing or try to put it in my verbiage so it sounds like it's something that would have come from me or what I said. And it's, Catherine, more than anything else, it's just time. You know, it's just time. You know, when people ask us what we, you know, who are your competitors? And this was my answer in all my years as a journalist, I, I said, we compete with time. We compete against time that we have to generate. We have to, you know, create a product that's so valuable that someone will take the time to read it, that it will be more important than anything else they're doing at that time so that they will commit to reading our product or coming to one of our events or making a connection by what we do. Um, so I, I always say that we compete with time because you have to make, you have to create something that's so valuable that someone will set aside everything else they're doing to make time for you. Yeah, and I think that resonates 
perfectly with what you do now because you are working with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders and time is very important for them too. And you're essentially saying, I want you to come to my event. I want you to see this as an important thing that you take the time to come out and do. And that messaging is important. Mm -hmm. And I I think your, if anything, your editing editing skills would be more important than ever just to kind of look at how some of the messages come out. Not that you're having any issues right now, because I think your marketing team is great. But even when you talk about some of these events, you know, what is it that makes these things important? Because I know for myself, I have to be choosy. There are a lot of events to choose from and which ones are worth my time. Right. You're so right, Catherine. But, you know, not only that, but like social media. I, I pour over my posts before I, I, I hit send. And part of the reason is the written word really lacks context. And if somebody said, you know, well, you were a reporter, what were your skills? And I said, I really, really um, focused. If there's anything that I hyperventilated over was choosing the most appropriate word that put the facts that I was relaying or portraying in the proper context because the context can determine um, the, the, the quality of the message and you could easily give something an entirely different definition by misconstruing the context. So I'm really careful even in a LinkedIn post or um, I'm giving my Facebook a little rest. I haven't been on Facebook for a while. Because context is just so very, very important. So important. And I, agree. I find myself. And sometimes just one word can change the whole meaning or take it out of context. And it, that's not the intent. Especially in emails. And in emails to our <laughs> six vice presidents. You know, I don't want them saying, oh my God, what is Don thinking now? Or am I, you know, I say, um, you know, I, so I'm very careful with the context because I don't want them to think, you know, that's why we have emojis in social media, right? That's why we have emojis. Emojis help display the context. I'm laughing because it's meant to be a joke. I am, I am laughing at this because I have been victim of this where I will treat emails just kind of like a quick message thing. Hey, has anybody done X? And people will say the whole staff into a tizzy. It throws the whole staff, it becomes, you know, it goes, oh my God. it shifts to panic she mode. thinks I'm right? failing at my job because she just <laughs> did a follow-up email about something. So now I have to put the little smiley face and, you know, yes. things like that. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. But right. very, very true. Well, most things were totally created to, to formulate context. Right? I, I think, yeah, or for me to bail out the very direct boss. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't have go. time for a long note. Come on, did well, you do that's it or not? Exactly it. It's not that you're not. It's just it's a time issue. It's a time yeah. issue. You can't yep. take a half hour on every email. You just can't. Right. Right. Oh, that's so funny. I'm, I'm glad other people have that issue. <laughs> um. All right. So, what's next? What's next for you? We know you're writing the book, so I'm looking very forward to that. Right. right. Yeah. And. Better. <laughs> and you you said you you know you still would like to do some things at the chamber, which I think is great, and I you don't need to kind of disclose some of that because I know some of the things are still cooking. But right. ultimately, when you leave 
And I'm only bringing that up because, and honestly, I think you could stay there as long as you wanted, but I think ultimately you would like to retire. When, when that happens, um, what would you like to have had done, you know, completed with uh, your job here at the chamber? Um, yeah, there is one more. I've already called it my legacy project, and I want to be really careful because this will. You don't have, have to disclose to anything. Well, it, it, it involves workforce because yep. I think whether the economy is good or whether the economy is bad or whether there are, you know, right, right now there are still more job openings than there are people looking for jobs right now. And, and, and that's in the state of Ohio. That's, I think, nationwide. It may have just met somewhere. But, you know, we have to do better on the whole workforce ecosystem. So that's something we're going to focus on. And I, I'm probably going to work another year and a half, two years tops. I mean, I, you know, when, the, when, when you publish this, I'll probably be, uh, I'll, I'll be Medicare eligible. Uh <laughs> To turn 65 next month. But, you know, I, I feel great. And, you know, I've worked really hard on taking better care of myself, you know, which is something I hope to do uh, continue. But um, I just I got great advice. And I'm going to say his name by uh, uh, John Beto, a longtime co-worker who when I was publisher of the Jacksonville paper, he was publisher in Tampa. And he said to me, leave it. He said, treat it like you borrowed it. Leave it in better shape than when you got it. He said, you know, when you walk down the street, if your lawnmower is on the blink and you got to borrow your neighbor's lawnmower, what are you going to do, right? When you're done with it, you're going to hose it all off. You're going to get all the grass off it. You're going to fill it with gas mm -hmm. and you're going to put a little spit shine on it and bring it back. And they're going to open it up to fill it and say, oh, Don filled the gas tank. Oh, Don washed the grass off it. Wow, it looks pretty good. Well, that's, you know, what we should, how we should treat our positions in life, right? Treat it, you know, when you, when you handed it back over or hand it to the next person, make sure it's in better shape than it was when it was handed to you. Um, you know, and, and, and there are varying degrees on that, of course. But, you know, I, you know I, I didn't know what I was facing when I came to the chamber. I know it wasn't ideal, but until you get into it, you don't know. You know, and then right. um, it was pretty bad. So <laughs> we had a lot of work to do, you know, and I don't want, you know, it's interesting because people started leaving as I was continuing to explain the vision and the mission and what we hope to do and how, and they all got great jobs. You know, it wasn't like I, I was not, I, I, I like to think I'm a developer, Catherine, and mm -hmm. I think you know that in me. I wasn't going to come in and clean house. It's not my nature. It's not right. Gonna, but we're going to ask people to maybe do things different. And I was trying to match the skill set that I inherited with the work that needed done. And some of them, there were just there was no no work available for the skills that I was inheriting. So we had to have some challenging conversations, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, and I think that's actually a really great message for people that are entrepreneurs or business leaders is especially if you're coming into a new role or you're starting to build a new team is that not everybody is the right person. Sometimes they self-select, you know, which kind of happened with you. It's like, you know, either I'm going to follow this leader or I'm not. And that's what leadership's about. And right. to your point, they were all great people. They found great work elsewhere. But then with the, what you wanted to do, you attracted great leaders again, you know, so right. uh, chambers running on all cylinders, I think right now, and you should be very proud of what you've done. 
Well, you, you know, um, thanks. Uh, that You don't know, as a board member, Catherine, one of my <laughs> treasures, <laughs> our treasured board members. Self-disclosure there, yes, I'm also a board member. <laughs> right. You know, and you can't. Like, I'm not so insecure as to not been able to hire people better than me. I hire people smarter than me, more talented, better work ethic. I mean, I hire really good people, and I'm not so insecure as to say, oh, shit, they may, they may want my job. Um, I want them to want my job. I want my successor, you know, in my position. I want to have that person right there in line. I want three people in line behind, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're going to make you look good. They're going to be, you know, if you're, they're going to, they're going to make you look at, and you end up doing even better, you know, as a result. Oh, absolutely. They they make you look good, you know, they (laughs) They look good. good. Leaders can never be afraid to hire people better than them. Yeah, that is actually a great pro tip, too, um, because you know what your strengths are. And it's like, you know, this is going to be my space. I'm going to try and be the leader here, but you're going to have to own your space and just be the best at it because that's going to make the whole thing work. So, yeah, don't don't feel the people fear the people that are smarter than you. Um, And when we say that, that's in certain areas, because I, I think the person at the top does need to be the smartest at the leadership and kind of what you do with the connections and, you know, keeping things rolling. Because if anyone has had the pleasure of being in the room with you, Don, you know that you know how to work a room, you know how to get people engaged and connected. And I think it really falls in line, again, with what you've done, and where you want this to go. The fact that you're talking about this workforce, I think, talks about everything that you did. It's about people's stories. It's a little bit about that executive search thing you were kind of talking about, connecting people for work and things like that. And it's all just kind of come together to leave this legacy. So it's it's really kind of cool. It, this has been, um, I, I had a wonderful 32 years, 35 years in publishing, an incredible 35 years. I, I wouldn't, I had a lot of difficulty. I had a lot of challenges. Um, but I wouldn't trade those for the world. Oh, no. But, but this has been extraordinarily rewarding. That's way too I think the, I think the Chamber <laughs> of Commerce is a community jewel. I think it really is. And, and you know, it was it, 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 the, 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 the polish had been worn off. You know, we had to we had to polish that gemstone again and to see what we're doing. And then. A couple of ways we're we're different than ninety nine percent of the chambers of commerce in this country, in our um, in how we work with our members and in uh, uh, how our how our membership is obtained and uh, our, our our membership levels of membership. So um, this has just been so rewarding and gratifying and and fun. And when it's that, it's not work, you know, when it's all of that, it's not yes, work. It absolutely. really is. It and that's really what's I, really important about making sure that you are, you know, doing the fun stuff along with the work part, because then it, it never feels like work. It's just like, what do I get to do today versus, right. you know, what do I have to do today? <laughs> yep, that's exactly um, it. Well, again, Don, uh, thanks for all you've done for the Chamber. I think a lot of people think that, you know, the Chamber of Commerce is kind of an an old institution, but I think you've kind of made it cool again. 
and hopefully other people can you know learn from your insight and what you've done to because yeah I, I, that if anything that could be a little bit of your legacy too by teaching other people you know to to we did we did look and you know because you've been involved with the strategy committee we've looked at the the possibility of renaming the chamber mm-hmm. um, and or giving it a different you know one of these different but then it then it would need a subtitle. Then you'd have to say, oh, we're right. the Chamber of Commerce. explain it then. You yeah. know, we'd have to explain it. So why create that much confusion? Right. So, you know, we're the Columbus, really legally, legally, we're the Greater Columbus Chamber of Commerce. If anything, I'd like to name it the Columbus Region Chamber, the Columbus Region Chamber, yeah. which I think makes a lot of sense because yeah, we do serve sense. 11 counties. Yeah, um, we're very close to all of our sister cities that are surround us. So, Yes, we are. We are a great region, a great region. Well, thank you so much so, for your time, Don. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I think you have given people a lot of wisdom um, just as far as leadership goes. And I think it was also a great story that you have yourself, you know, as far as how you got where you are, because, you know, there you could resonate with that kid who's either playing baseball now or he's in journalism and realizing, you know, it doesn't have to be just this. It could be so much more. It could be so much bigger. And Catherine, thank you. I can't thank you enough. You've been with me this entire journey, now seven and a half years at the Chamber, which is absolutely amazing. And I can't thank you enough. If we could have permanent Chamber board members, you would be at the top of the list. (laughs) I think think we're probably leaving at about the same time. We're going to just go out in a blaze of glory. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. They still don't know what hit them. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm flattered and honored you included me on your podcast. And uh, and if I have any last thing to say, join the Chamber of Commerce. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for listening to the podcast. The Secret Art of Business is supported by Portfolio Creative. Portfolio Creative is a recruiting and staffing company specializing in finding marketing talent. Go to PortfolioCreative.com to get started in finding your next marketing person or your next job. We are experts. We are creative. We are good humans. Please subscribe or follow this podcast to get the latest episodes. And let me know if there's someone you think of that would be a great guest on the show. Here we can build a community that believes creativity and drive can work together.